The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Oh, what a great audience. Let's dim the lights for this next one. Nope, too much. Ah, there it is. Got to get things just right. Like Progressive's Name Your Price tool. Tell us what you want to pay and we help you find coverage options that fit your budget. And now, the mood is right. Wait, the lights are back on again. Trudy, can you? And now it's completely dark. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It all began as a summer vacation. A young family found a beautiful old house. It had secluded, spacious grounds, a large swimming pool, magnificent furnishings. So you are the people who want to rent this house. What do you mean it's $900 and then it's all ours? Well, there is one other thing. Hardly a catch. They thought it was the answer to their dreams, but it was the beginning of a nightmare. In this old house, up this staircase, behind this locked door, something lives, something strange, something powerful, something evil. Stay away from that door! It will possess this woman. It will destroy this man. It will terrify this child. And no one can stop it. Burnt Offerings. Starring Karen Black. Are you actually trying to tell me that this house is responsible? Oliver Reed. This house is destroying us. Betty Davis. This house is getting so cold. Meredith. And this house will be here long, long after you have departed, you believe me? Eileen Heckert. God, when it comes alive, tell them about it. Tell them what it's like. This door lies a horror beyond imagination. Who is it? Where did it come from? What does it want? When you find out, it will be too late. Burnt Offerings. Well, what can one say after an exciting preview like that? <laughs> to tonight, bird offerings, I cannot believe. You know, I have not seen this until now. To, I, I don't even know what the word thank is, 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 is. Someone has just fired the first shot across the bow of this show. I'm going to say that right now. And that is with this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, everybody. This is King Bangman with Ken and Jen uh, for Cinema Fromage, and we are discussing this week's film, Burnt Offerings. Uh, the story of a pancake-faced cross-eyed woman who, with her alcoholic, whiny husband, uh, insipid son, and deranged aunt, move into a lovely house owned by a flamboyant Burgess Meredith in a wheelchair his wife and uh, or no 
sister, sorry, and that old cowboy guy you've seen in about a thousand films. And and things happen, and well, they don't don't really. And then and then the film ends, and you go, what? And that's bird offerings. And it's the terrifying thing about it is that you spent two hours of your life that you will never get back ever, ever again. <laughs> so that's my summary of burnt offerings. Did I leave anything out, folks? Uh, oh, are, are you asking me? I am. Yeah, you did leave yeah. something out. You forgot you're, this. The, you're the one who put the <laughs> Wait, on I, You forgot I, the swimming I, I pool from hell. I don't think you necessarily left anything out. I think, um, I think you you probably could have expanded on a lot of the inside nothingness, however. But, oh, yeah, but, I forgot. Uh, I forgot uh, you about know, as we, yeah. as, as we move into why I found this to be a compelling choice for Cinema du Fromage, I will, uh, I'll expand a bit on that nothingness. <laughs> um, okay. what, you forgot the swimming pool from hell. Oh, yes, the, the swimming pool from hell. Um, yeah. No, no, I'm sorry. These are things that we will touch upon. I was just giving you the broad strokes. Okay, okay. Because, uh, really, these little hey, no, minute things no stroking may add to the it. terror. I'm not sure. No stroking brads on this show. <laughs> okay, nice. But, uh, yes, folks, this is our second horror film uh, in, in our uh, in tenology of this, uh, this season. And, my goodness... I, uh, okay. So, uh, where do we start? It stars a plethora of people who, you know, before this movie, or being something, and uh, we're just wasted. And then there's the kid who, we'll start with, uh, I guess, let's go with our oldest cast member, uh, and probably the most famous of them, uh, Betty Davis as Aunt what was her name again? Aunt Martha? Aunt Matilda? Aunt Fanny? Uh, Aunt Elizabeth, Fanny. Elizabeth Rolf <laughs> is her name. Aunt Elizabeth. Aunt Elizabeth. My mistake. Aunt Elizabeth who um, spends the film complaining trying to be the hep grandma and then spoiler alert, dies of bonitis. <laughs> You said bonitis? No, bonitis. Oh, uh, that's a Futurama reference for those who are in the know, where the victim just suddenly just goes, and all their bones, you know, snap into place and they they die from it. And yeah, I, that's what I assumed happened to her because she's like had these weird cricking sounds as she popped around and then screamed a lot and then uh, I guess died from coffin attack or I don't know. I'm sorry. I, I I don't want to spoil. No, I don't care if I spoil this. I'm sorry. I don't care. I am so angry at this the, film. The, the, the first of all, the the movie's a little bit too old to spoil. That's sort of a big it, thing. Does fall, but, it does fall into our. It's you know, if you haven't seen it by now, and you want to hear about it, you're you're on your own. Yeah, and 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 secondly, I think you could probably add to that that uh, there. There is no such thing as spoiling this movie. It sort of <laughs> is already pretty stinky as it as it is. So <laughs> That's spoiling true. is, I think, actually kind of nice, really. <laughs> well, I 
Yeah, I'm like, I'm sorry. I, I'm trying to put into words because the emotions are overtaking me of, of how much <laughs> I did not like this film. And it, it's weird. And I saw it a week ago. So this has all been festering, waiting for tonight. So, and I tried to give it a second viewing and I got halfway through the part where they drove up to the front and I just said, no, no, that's it. I can't. <laughs> so I'm going to be a bit vague on some of the things misremembering the time frames and everything so mine's a general first impression so and i'm not being fair it's based on a scary book apparently one that probably uh from what people say uh may have influenced stephen king's the shining as he puts it as one of his books that he uh uh lists as one of the books that he loved as the scary book mm. so maybe he got the idea of like a house that sort of affects people and turned that into something that was actually good <laughs> uh, see this the problem is this film here sits in a 1970s horror genre where you've got everything from like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Alien Jaws um, The Omen if you want a, a cheesy horror film that was pretty decent um, Exorcist of course the big, big daddy of them all Halloween and then you've got this and it just sits there in the middle. It's, it looks like a made-for-TV movie. Um, plays like one. Has one interesting gross-out effect in it. And I'm not talking about Beatty Davis in bed. In a, I'm talking about... <laughs> um, but is so it's... Maybe at the time it, it seemed new, but I think I read a Roger Ebert uh, review at the time saying that it was old hat then. And it's so predictable, and you can see where it's going, and it just, there's no tension, there's nothing. And I think that's what angered me, is that you could see where it was going. It was, it was, it was pretending that it was being subtle, but it wasn't. And it bothered me. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going on and on and on. And I'm going to stop for a second, because Jen, you picked this film, and I want you, not to necessarily defend it, but I want you to explain why you chose this film, and... What, what you have to say about it, because okay. this is your film. So, right. <laughs> well, okay, let's let's not blame it on me, okay? I didn't make the film. Fair <laughs> enough. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but you brought it to my attention. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the, it, during this time, right, I, I've seen a lot of really sort of... Um, I, cheesy isn't even exactly the right word, but it fits within that because you've got so much overacting. You've got a sort of a, it, what I think could have been um, a good idea. I did actually go back and find this book, and it is it's quite good. But there's so much internal narrative. There's a lot of uh, internal monologue that's happening. And I think it fleshes things out in a way that we never get in the movie. It's an adaptation gone very horribly wrong. But when you watch what is presented, as you said, you know, there's all this sort of excellence in, uh, of, uh, or I should say, a new dawn happening. And then you have stuff like this. And this is just, I mean, I've got a list of a couple of them. And what's interesting to me about this is, first of all, at the time, people really were scared by this. And it's always been so interesting to me to understand sort of, well, why were you scared by this? Mostly, I can what I can come up with is people saw it when they were much younger, 
And so perhaps, you know, they weren't kind of getting uh what makes a, a good film a good film and they were just reacting off of some of the uh more visceral stuff like seeing the um you know remember the creepy uh driver and things like that but even that doesn't fully explain why people were scared i mean it something doesn't quite make sense i i also the, the other thing that I, that I found so interesting about this was at the time that this apparently came out, the idea of the haunted house hadn't quite that uh, it has now. I mean, everybody's got a favorite haunted house movie. And so when you go back and you read what people were saying about it at the time, it was like, oh, my gosh, this is such a new and novel idea. It's so strange and, you know, oh, it's feeding off of their life energy and how crazy is that and isn't that and, you know, we at this point have gotten so sophisticated in how we think about our horror that when you go back and you look at a film like this, it is so bad. And so it misses so many marks that it's, it, that it's, sort, of, um, it's sort of like an appreciation for how far we have come in cinema. Does that, you know what I'm saying when I say that? Uh, I sort of do, but the only thing I'm going to counter is that the haunted house thing, uh, you had House on Haunted Hill in the 1960s and a few others like that. I don't think it was even, fra like I said, when I read Roger Ebert's review, he was basically said there was, this was all old hat. There was nothing surprising. Um, in fact, oh, we should, we should always put at least one quote from a critic of the movie at the time. Because um, what he said was actually pretty funny. Um, but I like, yeah, I, I do see it, like, where some people may not... I don't know if it's about being sophisticated either, I but. personally don't understand it at all, myself. I, yeah. Because when I, I had the same feeling about it that you did, which is, which is, this is really terrible. But it's, but it's, it's like it's so terrible that it, that it feels like there is something sort of uh, oddly sticking out there. I, it, it's hard, you know. It's really hard to come up with a movie that makes people feel viscerally upset by it. And sure. I don't mean that they're upset by the horror in it. I mean they're just upset because, oh God, this was so awful. Yeah. So when you come across those movies, they are noteworthy. True. Um, now here I found I found it here. Here's the opening of uh, Roger Ebert's review, 1976, of Burt Offerings. Um, <clears throat> burnt offerings is a mystery, all right. What is mysterious is the filmmakers were able to sell such weary collection of ancient cliches for cold hard cash. <laughs> That's why they're rich and the rest of us are poor. <laughs> That's funny. That's epic. That's funny. You know, it's uh, interesting too. Um, uh, they actually have the full film on YouTube, and I'm looking at the comments, and I, I just want to read some of them, and um, you get an idea why uh, some people like this film. Uh, I have one comment that says, this movie scared the shit out of me when I was six. Uh, another one says, my favorite Karen Black movie. Uh, okay, that's not saying much. Okay. <laughs> another one says, two words, horror classic. <laughs> See? <laughs> another, another one, the first horror flick that got under my skin, and that's coming from someone who saw The Exorcist a few years before. Here's a bunch of other stuff. I'm not reading it. Uh, and then there's a couple other ones. Uh, when I was a child, I had nightmares about the creepy chauffeur. Uh, 
And yeah. the last thing is the ending freaked me that freaks me out uh, every time I watch it. When I was a kid, it still still scares the shit out of me. Huh. That is so weird because all of those and, things didn't work for me. See, and uh, the, the, this is why, though, that I really believe that I uh, sort of um, that what that what people are experiencing or have experienced when they saw this was something that was done at a t they saw it and were not um, okay. Sophisticated maybe isn't the word. They didn't have the kind of refinement to process what was going on. And so <clears throat> I do think that some of the isolated visual imagery is rather oddly and complexly scary. Maybe isn't the right word, but there is some deep symbolism in here, which maybe touches on people's psyches in a way that is sort of um, inexplicable. You know, you just don't quite understand why it makes you scared, even if it does make you scared. And so those things, I think, were actually sort of well done, but they were so out of step with the rest of the movie, including the dialogue, which was just from hell. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know how they decided that this is how people speak, but there were. It, it was just awful. I mean, that part actually really sort of took me by surprise. Well, um, you know. Yeah, it, it's, and they didn't act like real people. I'm sorry. Um, when Oliver Reed, who justifiably tried to drown his son, um, and, and uh, you know, I was rooting for him that whole time, uh, all of a sudden, it's sort of like, they got over that whole thing really quickly. It's like, I, if I left a door open, my wife would, and the, the dog got out, my wife would remind me about that for the rest of my life. Whenever it could come up, it would come up in conversation. Oh yeah, but remember, you left the door open and the dog got out. There is no way a family's going to go, remember when you tried to drown Jimmy? Well, we're never going to talk about that again. But but I, but I think, you know, and again, oh God, uh, now I am in the position of defending the movie. Darn it. Yes, you are. Okay, okay so, the, but there is something to be said about sort of what was happening. And this is the part that I think that is it like there's potential here there is the seed for something to happen even though it didn't really mm -hmm. fully bloom the it's the idea with the uh, the idea with the transformation into mm -hmm. mrs allardyce is it is that it was really taking over the not just the uh the family sort of you know by mm -hmm. basically pulling all the things out of them that it needed ultimately to kill them, but that it was transforming the wife into something different than she was. So you're right. It wasn't the way that people would have behaved, but I think almost from the very moment that she stepped foot in the house, she became a conduit that then trans it transformed everything. And, and I think and, I, I, I know that's what they were going for, but I think they did it, A, too quickly and too obviously. I mean, when yes. she starts dressing like a, you know, someone from the 19th century and doing her hair up, you go, okay, I see where it's going. And, you know, there's no gradual little changes, little subtle things that could have made this a better telling and more interesting. Because if they'd done that, it wasn't so obvious and so badly 
like there's some scenes that work. I'm not going to knock the whole thing, but generally speaking, they they've just made it so obvious, so cliched. There was no real slow build up, no you know where you we don't see it coming until it's too late. Like it could have been much more subtle as opposed to being you know oh I like this and then the next scene she's you know she's freaking. Uh, someone off Little House on the Prairies, you know, dressed up with her petticoat and her hair all done up and the necklace and the stiff ruffled things. It's like, okay, come on. Not but, really. Come on. That's but, too soon. Too but fast. You gotta, but you got to admit, though, uh, uh, King, is that mm-hmm. uh, letting the dog get loose is a much bigger crime than trying to drown your kid. Well, yeah, well if, if my kid was David, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That kid was so terribly insipid. <laughs> uh, his death scene was so pathetic. It's like, okay, you, you remember that scene in, in Austin Powers where the small cart was heading towards the guy and he stood there screaming for an hour? That was based on the ending of this movie. That was hilarious. <laughs> I, I, that was so funny. He sat there and watched, literally watched the rocks as they came down and pummeled him. It was but it, well, it was, that was a great was, ending. You know, screaming at it. <laughs> it's like you could have walked away. Yes, it, but, it, but uh, that, he, he, that was a great ending, though, for the, for his mm. character. Shar said the same thing. Shar, my daughter, she actually said the same thing. She said that it is sort of it. it it's like okay, well, I see what they're trying to do, but somehow the the person who went to film school to understand how to create tension in a death sequence failed or was absent <laughs> that day, and. And and uh, that I think is is a true criticism. I mean, there is just there's like you said, they focused all the attention on all the things that it didn't need to be in, and instead created grand drama around stuff that didn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. I, I I do completely agree with that. I, I the 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 one saving grace that I feel like this movie has, if it has any. Is that it? It, it actually, like, once again, tries visually to do things in a narrative which were interesting for the time. They they still missed the mark. They it just in in preparation to do this, I went and I listened to a bunch of other podcasters talk about this movie, <laughs> and what was astounding to me was that they did not find any of the issues that we, all three of us, I think, collectively found with the movie. Mm. Some people said it was a little bit slow, which I think is a huge understatement. Yeah, Uh, and I don't mind slow. I mean, slow works if it's done right. Yeah, but this was... And this was not. (laughs) not, That's not the issue. But what what I'm saying is that's what they found, right? They found that it was a little bit slow. They found that, you know, some of the pacing was a little bit off or things like that. But no one had the kind of uh, deep criticism of the overall narrative. Because the overall narrative to... And I'm not just talking about one or two people. I mean, I actually listened to a bunch of people that I actually respect say things about this movie which I am I really struggle to understand what they were seeing that I didn't see yeah uh, well that's the thing it's like uh, for example let's talk about the chauffeur which is supposed to be the creepy image it I don't know about you guys it didn't work for me 
in any other film, maybe that image would have worked, the creepy smiling guy, but he looked too made up for what was going on in the rest of the thing. Like, you could see the makeup pancaked all over his face. He just came across, it didn't come across as something supernatural or scary or something from the past that he's misremembering. It's coming across as a guy who's looking like a boogeyman and showing up to be creepy, and it doesn't work because he doesn't quite do it. I don't know about you guys, but I didn't find him the least bit creepy, or I didn't find anything unnerving about his scenes. I thought it was kind of dumb. Yeah, I don't know. What do you think, Kente? I thought he was funny. <laughs> it's, it's funny, okay. He wasn't scary, right? Like you were going, oh, uh, oh, get that guy away from me. Maybe, maybe, I, maybe we need to look at it through a 1976 lens. I guess I don't know, but I'm telling you, you know what we were saying that I was born in 76. I'm looking right now at a list of all the horror films from the 1970s, and we're looking at stuff, you know, beforehand. We're looking at you know, Exorcist. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Carrie came out the same time, The Omen came out around the same time, uh, stuff like Wicker Man, um, Black Christmas, uh, the, let's see, what's oh, that other one there? So, just trying to find it more beforehand. But, I mean, oh, The Last House on the Left, and stuff like that. Just deeply disturbing and terrifying films that, you know, I don't think the audience, if they go to see that, and then they go off and see this, they're going to go, oh, yes, this is just the same kind of you know, clever, uh, unnerving stuff, because it's not. It's it it's just, I, I just, I don't understand what these people are saying either. I, I, I've heard one podcast, and they were like raving about this film, and it's like, oh, this is a lost masterpiece, and more people should see it, but they might think it's too slow, and I'm going, it's not the slow thing that bothers me, it's just that it's, it's just... There's nothing there. There's nothing... What was I supposed to be scared of? That the house was consuming the family to get you know, okay, but I, I saw that coming from a mile away. I saw that ending coming from a mile away. I think uh, I mean, the scary part was that you were mildly attracted to Betty Davis. That was the thing. <laughs> <laughs> you were hoping she had a, a 1976 nude scene. <laughs> but I, I, like I'm thinking, it's like, they could have done so many things different that might have made this a better film. Given us a few hints that there was an actual woman there inside that room. It's just, you know, even if it was just to be, you know, subterfuge, at least because through the whole time I'm going, there's nobody up there. There's nobody up there. It's obvious there's nobody up there. And they didn't give you any reason to think that. And when Oliver Reed, in, in um, you know, I think one of his low points there is his death scene there, when he's like, oh, God, no, oh, kind of like, what are you going on about? Your wife's sitting there in a fright wig. Oh no! I guess it's finally taken over. There's just, but there's nothing horrifying. There's nothing that should have re- caused that reaction in him. She looked kind of scary though, with the eyes hmm? and the. She looked scary. Well, she, 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 uh, she, sure, she looked a little bit demented, but a little bit. <laughs> she was very demented looking. Yeah, but I mean, you know. Yeah, I kind of think she was, was pretty demented she, looking. Yeah, she was demented looking, but where was the? What was the terror from? The fact that she had she, a crazy look in her eyes. She also looked, she also looked pretty ancient. You know what? Yeah. I'm going to yeah. tell your wife to dress up like that and then you come home and see her like that. I think you're going to jump out the window. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything right now for fear that this ever gets heard. So, okay. <laughs> no, no. Uh, Especially based no, on the fact that he just saw her like 
two no, seconds I, ago downstairs, I, and she didn't look like that at all. Yeah, I guess so. I, I, I just although, I didn't think it was although, a good payoff. Although there had when, to be something more to, to make it like you know that you could see a a real change or something that really would affect him. Like I wouldn't have gone. Well, I wouldn't see, have gone as far the, as he did. <laughs> All, all the elements were there, right? The elements of a good story were in place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, there was even things like, um, like the music box, which was mm-hmm. something that we had heard in the score prior yeah. to uh, her actually listening to it. I mean, mm-hmm. in, in a strange way, they really did try very hard to incorporate what I think was okay, this is how we want to present it. This is going to make it, uh, this is going to tie everything all together. Like the pieces were there, but they didn't put the pieces together properly in order to make the movie have that genuine sense of uh, fear and dread. I will say that I did read something about um, many of the people who saw this movie when they were younger they reacted to some of the things in it in a, a more visceral way because when you're six, when you're seven, when you're yes. eight, when you're ten, things scare you differently. And the idea of your dad yeah. killing you in a pool is actually pretty scary to a actually, kid because yeah. it's something that you don't actually sort of come up with in your conscious mind, but it's sort mm-hmm. of always there. He's bigger than me. We've been in fights before. Yeah, this is really mm-hmm. something. And it's not like you identify it. Um, and the same thing I think is also true about some of the other stuff. Like, you know, we've all had experiences where we've been either our first experience at a funeral or our first experience with death. Mm-hmm. And it, we, we find something from that, that then we sort of take with us the rest of our lives and we go, you know what? I can't even look at lilies because they scare me too much because when I was younger, this is what I remember experiencing. So in that sense, I, I get why people, nostalgically feel like this is a scary movie mm-hmm. but when you remove the the nostalgia from it and you put in critical thinking the movie itself doesn't hold up from a narrative standpoint which i think was you know part of the the point of the critique in the very beginning that you read from it it doesn't it doesn't stand up just because you put some big names in something and, you know, throw from the best-selling novel, it do- doesn't give it a success rate. Mm-hmm. And this, I think this, this story leads, it, it pro- and you said you'd read the book, and it probably was a better book than the movie, obviously. But, so, but the thing is, you can, in the book, you can tell it from different people's points of view and how they perceive what's going on and the confusion and the inner thing, which you can't really show in a movie. And I think that's, so what, works on a in a book you know when you're reading it you can get the dread you can get the, the the creeping feeling when you're reading something and then when you see it being played out it doesn't work as well in fact some things that were supposed to be scary so come off as silly <laughs> and and I, I don't think the drowning thing was was i think it could have been done a little bit better to make it even more terrifying for like maybe just seeing that there's something has snapped in the father completely as opposed to him just dunk, 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 and keep it dunking. And it was like, maybe, uh, I don't know, uh, even a more of a murderous rage kind of thing that just overcomes them, as opposed to just, I, I don't, like, they were trying to do it. I don't know how I would have done that, but... Well, I think yeah. they were trying to say that the pool actually had some, <coughs> like, nefarious um, 
there was something nefarious about the pool itself that there was yes. like a center of energy because the pool itself is what you know kind of the first thing that she noticed completely revitalized itself yes and just noticing that was sort of a big giveaway that there's something important about this and so that i can kind of see what they were going for but again you're right mm -hmm. they just didn't do a good job in exposition yeah, and, and excuse this phrase here, but the pool was also getting its power for being the world's largest cock block, too. Because the poor guy there was trying, you know, that pool. Actually, was it the pool or was it the light in the house? The, the house was, too. The poor guy. No wonder he went mad and threw himself out the window. Because now he realized his wife was never going to, you know, be intimate with him again. I don't know. I didn't feel so bad for him about that. Oh, why not? We are talking Oliver Reed here, right? He was probably soused for most of that picture. Uh, well, I don't know. I, I this is what I think. I, I think you know, for for its time, I guess people really did react to uh, some of the imagery in it, and it had some some decent imagery in it. Um, it took a long time, really, because I'm like in the be beginning of it. I'm like you know watching it. And then, you know, they get to the house, Burgess, Burgess Meredith. I'm like, oh, cool, Burgess Meredith. You know, he's in the wheelchair. And then it just kind of went on and on and on. And then it got to the uh, the meat, <laughs> if you will, of what's, what's going on. And, uh, you know, I really just was like, just like, okay. You know, just trying to figure out, you know, uh, I mean, I figured out pretty much from the beginning what was going to happen uh you know with miss how you say her name aldice or whatever uh or alicard or whatever yeah yeah <laughs> and uh it's allardyce allardyce, it's allardyce. yeah my bad is I that actually, an anagram i wonder you know what's funny like, i was thinking is it like alicard oh is that dracula spelled backwards i oh, actually saw it today <laughs> like today was the day i saw it and uh you know um yeah it was uh it was definitely a different uh, <laughs> movie. <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. Uh, I think that, um, you know, like just reading what people feel about it, you know, who saw it when they were kids, it makes sense, you know, to them. You know, this was like really, really terrifying. But uh, it wasn't very terrifying. Um, and uh, it was very slow. And I, I hate when people use that. You know, uh, oh, the movie was slow or whatever, because it's kind of a weak, you know, uh, um, criticism sometimes. But uh, it did take a long time to get into into, you know, what was going on really deeply. Um, but the dude with the hearse, I mean, but it, when you started seeing when you saw him, it was to me, it was funny. It, like it made me laugh. <laughs> so I don't know if that's where they were going for. But uh, <laughs> so. I think of two films that came after this um, that worked really well, and one being Complete Cheese and one being one of my favorites. Uh, uh, first one, Amityville Horror. Oh, yeah. You want to look at a, the out. idea of a house causing a family to slowly disintegrate and one, one person being taken over. They did a better job with that, and that was a cheesy film, but they did a better job with that one. And then, of course, um, uh, Kubrick's uh, The Shining. Um where you can look at a family disintegrating due to the, some malevolent evil that's going on. And it, and you look at The Shining, The Shining, and 
there's a difference between a slow film and a paced film. And The Shining was a well-paced film. It was a slow build-up, but there's this unease and tension through the whole thing. And that's what this film was missing. There's no sense of dread and tension building through the whole thing. It's just, here's a scene, here's a scene, here's a scene. Oh, look at that. It's weird. Here's a scene. Here's a scene. Guess what's coming up? The end. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, we forgot him almost being uh, being attacked by the trees, too, which was done much better in Evil Dead. And You know what I thought you were going to say? Films. I thought you were going to say it was done much better in The Happening. <laughs> in The Happening. Oh, oh wow. That is, that's, that's low. Oh, that's low. You're a mean man, you are. No, no, no. Okay, um, let's, let's talk about films in 1976. Uh, the Omen, Carrie mm-hmm. came out. Uh, well, yep. let's, the horror films that came out uh, that year. Um, you also had uh, oh, Alice, Sweet Alice, uh, mm-hmm. came out, and uh, uh, what else? Anything of note? I'm looking at this list. So those are you know those are some uh, long lasting. Oh, uh, Carrie, uh, <clears throat> 1976 as well. At so, Jaws, just the year prior. Uh, I thought that was 77. 75. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay, I thought I'm that came out the sure. same year as... Uh... Yeah, Jaws, 1975. Was it? Wow, I thought it came out the same yeah. year as uh, Star Wars, no? No, no, that was 75. I was. I, I remember seeing it at the drive-in as a kid. Oh, wow. So, I, it was the second feature. I wasn't supposed to be awake, but I popped my head over the back seat and got up to the scene where the kid gets eaten, and that was it for me. I was under the blankets for the rest of that. Yeah, it's nothing like good. You know that Burn Alfrings had a, a nice, good kid death scene. So, yeah, well, <laughs> did it really? Is that what we call it now? That right, was come on. That was kind of funny how he just watches. Oh, well, it was hilarious, but it was just awful. It's like, okay, walk, go. No, okay. I know you're scared. Okay, you let it out, and now you can still walk away. You let it out three times. You can still walk away. Okay. It's like it's like drowning. You, you had your third time. Now walk. I love the freeze frame too. That was dope. <laughs> I, you know what would be more interesting if they showed something like, you know, earlier on there's something about the chimney falling, pieces of the chimney falling, or someone almost getting hurt by that, or somebody getting hurt by that, and then you have sort of a Chekhov's gun thing going with this, so that you know that ending would pay off as something a bit better than just randomly <clears throat> chimney explodes on kid. Okay. Right. I, wow. Oh, wait, there was a movie right, called I, The Tenet. Uh, it was a Roman Polanski film? Oh. That came out the same year. It was a, they said it was a horror film. Like, uh, yeah. Like I said, there was good horror films going on at that time. Mm, wow. And that this one would stick out in other people's heads is, A, I think you hear what they're saying. They're all six and five. So these were younger kids who could watch this because you could put this on TV and it wouldn't be offending anybody. Oh, it says the little girl who loves. What is it? Oh yeah, it's blocked off. <laughs> uh, oh, who who lives down the lane? Okay, uh, that was a horror flick that came out in 1976. I've never seen that one. Oh, it could be as good as Burnt Offerings. Yeah. We don't know. Oh, good. Um, oh, good uh, God told me to kill. Came out. Oh. Okay. God told but, me to uh, kill. What a, what a great title, right? <laughs> God told me to kill. Yeah. I've never the, heard of that film. You know, it's funny because if you really think about it, the '70s offered um, quite a 
juxtaposition in a lot of ways between things that were truly uh, scary that didn't actually, I don't think, become appreciated as being as scary as they were until the 1980s. And then you have movies that were like this one, not really made, I don't even think, to be as scary as they ended up being for the intended audience. It's it, it's quite funny. The, once again, there's this idea, I think, that they were working with, which if they had done something a little bit different with it, it may have, like you said, you know, if they had done something where at the very beginning we start sort of at the end of the cycle of the previous owners, and, mm-hmm. but, but I feel like what they were afraid to do is reveal anything. As yeah. if the reveal might somehow end up tainting our experience and what we're going to see going forward, and I feel like that was actually a mistake. Because Holy smokes! It, you just you just came up with a good idea for for a movie based on this whole thing. Basically, you've got an old woman in the house who dies before the summer is over, and it turns out that was the previous person, and then they they uh, that gets revealed as they're going on, and maybe learning more about the history of the house and that kind of thing would make for a very interesting movie. Yes. Too bad that wasn't made, because mm. that would be interesting. And then, and then she slowly becomes the the new old lady, and the house rejuvenates, and then it falls apart as she's by herself again. Now, I see that I would go see. That would be an interesting movie. <laughs> this, on the other hand, was not. Though I did like Burgess Meredith. I don't know what he was going for, but it was rich. Ah, oh, look at the little boy there. Never interesting. Oh, such a, a rapscallion, isn't he? It's like, <laughs> dude, what are you? Where are you going with this? Like, oh my! No, no, don't. Don't worry about it. Well, well, that's the other thing. All the all the pictures that she was looking at, they all seem yeah. to have some significance, but we were never actually treated to. The yeah. significance of those images, and I'm sure that if I went back and I really deconstructed scene by scene what was happening, I could probably come up with a, a good idea of where they were going. But you know, people didn't even understand, as far as I could tell from listening to other podcasters, they didn't even understand the title of the movie, and that I mean that sort of speaks volumes to what the problem is here. And why it ended up being so sort of under par from what it could have been. Okay, so that we're not accused of the same thing, and so I can act like I know what we're talking about. Do explain the title, so that okay. <laughs> so that so, a I can uh, pretend I knew uh, that all so, along, uh, and b we can at least say <laughs> our podcast nailed it. <laughs> so a burnt offering uh, harkens back to a biblical reference where you sacrifice something by basically killing it in order to make something else new you give it new life by sacrificing something else and that's what they were that that's basically the reference that they were trying to make but again you know there was nothing religious about this movie they didn't sort of go for any angle that would have said the book was not named burnt offerings that was completely and totally done by the people who created this screenplay and however they came up with it it sort of was too uh removed from what the the what the uh what the material was and i think that that again that just it completely illustrates why this is so out of touch 
Uh, the books, it's called Burn Offerings. I got the page open. I, I, I thought the... Yeah, it says... Uh, uh, it was called Burnt Offerings. Yeah, 1973 now. I believe so. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Burnt Offerings, based on the book Burnt Offerings. Yeah. I, you know, I thought for sure it was named something else. I, I don't... <laughs> I really I actually show. thought it was named something else. Yes, well, the boy in the okay. chimney. Too soon, too soon. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you something that, that I found interesting about the book, which you never get any information about, obviously, in the, in the movie. And that is all of the internal monologue that is sort of like the, uh, the, the becoming of Mrs. Allardyce. Because if we had had any of that, did you read The Shining? Yes. Mm-hmm. And so you know, sort of like you know, there's these moments with um, with all of the characters, but specifically with uh, with with Jack, that it, you get this idea that something terrible is really happening in his mind. Yes, and that is also present in the book, and yet it's just so missing from the movie itself. We don't see that. We don't see any of it. You know, we see sort of a the happy homemaker deciding that this needs to be her dream house. And it, that's not really what happens in the book. It's not like that. Right. And that's the thing. Um, and, and, and it's Karen Black, who, you know, who just saved the plane uh, the year prior in airport 75. Oh gosh. And so coming off of that, she, and she did trilogy of terror at the same time. Did she not? Which I wish we had seen instead, because I did go and watch that, and enjoyed that a lot more than this one. And it was done by the same director, by the way. See, you know, I actually don't feel bad about bringing this, though, as, <laughs> as a movie for us to, to well, see. Well, I'm, I'm taking this as a first shot. Now I have to answer to because, it and find something be, bad for you. <laughs> because remember, the, the first one that I, was, that I actually said that I really wanted for us to see was Don't Be Afraid of the Dark, which right. I think everybody might have a, an opinion on if they were even a small fan of Guillermo's because he did a remake of it. But I decided to go with this because it, it, it speaks volumes about how we decide whether our cinema is cinema du fromage, whether it is uh, awesome in the vein of deep nostalgia, whether we like, uh, you know, the, I guess, I, I mean, to use the word function is not really the right word, but it, what we like in terms of what we declare to be good cinema is so incredibly subjective and it's weird to see such a polarization on the on audiences in this way. Mm-hmm. I've I have very rarely seen this. I mean, people either hate something, and Rotten Tomato says, "Yeah, okay, the critics hated it. Maybe yeah. the audience really kind of liked it." But it's not like you know you have half the audience saying I hated it, and half the audience saying no, I loved it. And, and that's where I feel like this film kind of lands it lands squarely in the territory of wow there's people that rave about it but then there's people that absolutely hate it you know i'm looking at rotten tomatoes right now <laughs> uh the critic score is 33 percent. the audience score 41 so it's not that diametrically opposed however i don't think enough people talk about it 
that it would even, you know, it doesn't register as much that you could, so you might get more people who are positive because they're the only people who want to talk about it because well, this is not right. like a film that I, you, I mean, as much as I was venting on it, this is not a film I hate. This is not something like, well, you know, I'm really mad I saw it. Like, there are films out there that are so bad, they're unwatchable, they're unentertaining, there's no redeeming quality, and you feel worse for watching it. This is just bad. Can I, can I read something? Uh, this yeah. this comes from uh, the website called bloodydisgusting.com and it's mm -hmm. called uh, the, the oh, article the article was written 7 years ago and it says time to to revisit uh, burnt offerings and it says uh, it says uh, why it's not so celebrated though it preceded the Amityville horror by 3 years and is almost in every way a better film burnt offerings has nevertheless been mostly forgotten by modern audiences. Part of this is likely due to its slow narrative pace and absence of most uh, of the usual fright flick uh, histrionics, a sensibility that doesn't translate well into 21st century. It also wasn't a blockbuster like Amityville and the, and the Robert Morasco book. It was uh, based on its on a simply doesn't enjoy the same amount of notoriety as uh, Jay Anson's controversial work of nonfiction, which is uh, well celebrated today. So it's basically saying that we're just too, we're just too stupid to realize how great it is. And Obviously, yeah. See, that's what I mean by polarizing. <laughs> like, and I don't understand. Incredibly polarizing. Yeah. Like I, you know, I love horror films, <laughs> uh, the good and the bad. I'm not a big fan of most modern horror films now because they're not really well done. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'll say this film at least was put together a little bit better than some horror films these days. However, the, the really good ones nowadays are excellent and they have all this and they harken back to a lot of the 70s stuff and they're grabbing stuff from that. Um, but I don't see what is so great about this. There's nothing in there that, like I said, I never felt dread or unease or discomfort watching this movie aside from the you know my butt getting sore from sitting on it for so long that's the only discomfort i had in that whole film and i had too many pops so i might have to go to the washroom once or twice but that's it that's that's dark because they they gave it all away so right off the top when uh as he is uh Marked in, in some places, Petunia Man <laughs> walks in and says, says oh, this, I gotta throw this out, it's dead. Oh, you'll find it's not dead. Oh, look, it's not dead. Hmm, that's interesting. Something that was dead is slowly coming to life when these people are in there. I wonder if that has anything to do with what's going on next. Oh. And that was in the first scenes. Damn it. Yeah. Okay, so I think this is a good time to get to the movies that make a meal. So we'll hand the mic over to you, Jen. Burnt toast. <laughs> I no, I did not make burnt toast. <laughs> so I, that not, I don't intentionally do that. I just accidentally do that every once in a while. <laughs> okay, so my uh, my recipe for the for this movie is actually inspired by the house itself, which apparently has quite a bit of history. It's a real place. Uh, it's actually, I think they said it was in Southern California, but it looks like it is this old Southern plantation style house. And I sort of got the feeling at the very beginning with all of the uh, uh, introductions that that's how they were trying to present the people that owned it. Not that they were, you know, 
southern people, but that there was something about that, something, you know, kind of uh, long lineage and stuff. Um, and so with the with the house being that way and with the way that Mrs. Allardyce was supposed to be so sweet and proper, I came up with a very sweet and proper uh, recipe. It's called cucumber and cream cheese tea sandwiches. It's mm. very, very popular in the South. Um, it's actually quite good on a hot day. It's very light, but it tastes really amazing. Um, there's little things in it like dill. And then what you do is at the end of when you're all done, you've got everything all cut up into little tiny uh, finger sandwiches. You sprinkle some crushed mint over the top and it just gives the sandwich a nice uh, cool taste to it. So that's my recipe for the day. And I know that we'll put that into the show notes and I hope you enjoy. Forget the show notes. Can you make some? <laughs> That's no right. cooking required on this one either. It's actually real simple to make. Oh, and wow. you could bring it up to Mrs. Allardyce. And you could bring it up to Mrs. Allardyce. And you could tell her that you didn't like her story. Let's see how far <laughs> that goes. Well, it won't be too difficult. She's not up there. <laughs> yeah, well, in which case, you can become the next Mrs. Allardyce. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's get to our scores. Um, I, w okay. I, w I want to uh, first. Uh, I want to. Uh, um, our special guest was supposed to be your daughter, Charmaine, but she wasn't able to join us. So, can you kind of go over her score? Yes, she was actually not feeling so well, so she oh. decided to. Yeah, she decided to. She skip. watched Sorry. the movie before she got. Um, okay. <laughs> Yeah, she did. She she and I actually sat down and watched it together. And, you know, uh, like I said, her, her comments were actually quite interesting because, of course, number one, she had never seen it before. And number two, she tends to see things with very fresh eyes. She's mm. very millennial that way. So very interesting. Okay, so her number one is production quality. She gave it a six. She gave the story a seven. She gave the acting a seven, and she gave the overall entertainment value an eight. Wow. Okay. All right. And what about yourself? <clears throat> okay, I gave the production value a five. I, I wish that they had done some things better, but whatever. I gave the story a six. I gave the acting a five. Sorry, guys, that was... Man, there was some bad acting in that. But I gave the overall entertainment value an 8 because I do really like this. I, I love continuing to see this for all the reasons that we just talked about. Even when it makes me mad, I still like watching it. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, what about you, King? Okay, well, uh, production value. The problem is that the print that I watched was probably the DVD print, which is a murky mess anyway, so it may not be how it was supposed to look. So that gives it a bit of a problem. Um, the shots and everything were lit much like a TV uh, movie of the week. Um, interesting looking house, uh, interesting sets and everything, but uh, generally speaking, I'd give it a six. Uh, acting, are we, is it storyline first or acting? Story. Storyline. <sighs> I'm sure the book was great. Uh, I'm sure it was creepy. Um, I'm giving it a four. I did not like the story at all. I, I thought when they were trying to be scary, people were really overacting to nothing, and it just 
uh, Oliver Reed was, uh, and going into acting, uh, also uh, four. Oliver Reed was just over the top when, and stiff when he wasn't over the top. Karen Black was, her crossed eyes drove me nuts for the whole thing. Uh, everybody else was just in it for a few seconds for nothing. Betty Davis was <laughs> just wasted in this thing. Probably literally, too. I don't want to get up anymore. Oh, yeah. Anyways, um, so, and overall entertainment value. Uh, it was only one time I saw it. I tried to see it a second time, couldn't do it. I ha It's going to be the lowest rating I've given it. It's a four as well. I I'm sorry, I really did not like this film. And I may be called a Luddite for it. Maybe I'm missing something brilliant, but I don't think I am. I'll, I'll have the people from Bloody Disgusting give you a call and you guys can hash it out. Absolutely. Let it, let let them fly. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna they're gonna really like they're gonna come at you, man. The the bloody disgusting. See, the thing is that uh, we just don't know anything. We're just uh, you know we're not hip people, I guess. Um, okay, so let me do my score. Um, uh, I'm sorry, I'm doing the whole overall tally. Um, okay, so my score is, uh, I gave production quality five. I did like the house. Uh, that was pretty cool. <laughs> uh, in the pool from hell. Uh, story, I give a five. I thought it was pretty, uh, you know, it, it was a standard, you know, um, uh, haunted house thing. Bobby. Uh, I gave the acting seven. Um, because I love the overacting, uh, uh, the kid, you gotta love the kid. The, when the kid dies, that just, <laughs> that was my favorite part in the, in the movie when the kid dies. I mean, uh, you can, <laughs> you can call me, uh, a messed up individual, but, uh, I really did think that was pretty, uh, funny. And then, uh, I gave the overall, uh, entertainment value six. So, uh, adding all the scores together, it got a movie score uh, of 93, which is a 58% cheese meter. Mm. Not bad. Not bad. Uh, uh, where does that... That would rank it... Our worst one so far, though. That would mm. rank it right over Omega Man. Ah... So Limburger Zone. Yeah, so that's number four out of five movies. <laughs> wow, really? Yeah. So your daughter really yeah, helped man, it. that's crazy. Wait, you ranked over? Yeah, yeah. 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 It's uh, Are you kidding me? I should have given it scores of two across the board just <laughs> 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 Wow. Yeah. That's it, what I get for being honest. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Oh, man. What, what's what's on the agenda for next week, Kente? Ah, uh, yeah, you could beat me up for this next one. Uh, we will be we will be um, doing the um, Westworld movie. Oh, I love Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins. Yes, he's in Westworld. Or, or oh no, you're not talking <laughs> about. Oh no, uh, he's. You're talking about Yul Brenner. Yeah. <laughs> Oh no! Yul Brenner is the robot yes. in in Westworld. Oh dear! Yes, yes, yes. Uh, yeah, so you can um, 
y'all can shoot me for uh, <laughs> for that. That should be an uh, interesting movie. So now we got a western, yeah. sci-fi horror. So we hit. We're striking three genres at once. Yeah, you know what my other one was going to be though. You would have you would have really hated it. I was going to say Halloween three at first. <laughs> oh, I, I, like I kind of actually. Yeah, I do. I love it. I I, I, I like it myself. Yeah. I, right now, we you know what's running through my head right now. Three more days. Goddamn song. <laughs> I love that song. I can't. I you know well, I don't forget, one we people. got more cheese. Hey, after this season, we got more cheese, and basically now. Karen Black is in my head. Uh, Airport 75 is coming up next year. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, we definitely got to gotta do that on Halloween because that, that theme song is – I always warn people. I said you – I remember I warned a friend of mine who was going to watch it. I said, that thing is going to stay in your head. He's like, whatever. And, and then <laughs> three days later, he's like, oh, my God, I can't stop <laughs> – so I said, I told you, don't ever doubt me. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but um, uh, let's start off with you, Jan. How can people get you in social media and all that good stuff? <clears throat> they can reach me on social media at following Bliss One on Twitter and following Bliss pretty much everywhere else. My websites are Critical Laughs with two L's dot com and Movies Make the Meal dot com. All right. And uh, what about you? King. You, you you know me. I'm just the hermit out there. If you want to get a hold of me, I do it the old-fashioned way through Gmail, or you can send me a pigeon, and I'll be able to answer it, and uh, I might even get fed and send it back and move to you right on that pigeon. But uh, kingpenguin at gmail.com. You know what's funny is he's not even joking, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And you can get me at kentef on uh, Twitter, and you can... Uh, Go to our website that which is indyradio.org. Once again, that's indyradio.org. All right, so um, we will catch you next week. So thank you night. and good night. Welcome to the Total Wireless Store, where total confidence awaits. I need to keep up with my teens this summer without sweating high cell phone bills. Don't worry. You got this with Total Wireless. We have plans to fit all your family's needs starting at just 25 bucks on the nation's best 4G LTE network. I won't miss a thing. Now you can focus on the important stuff, like arguing about curfew. Discover the Total Wireless stores and get total confidence. The latest phones, the best network, all at great prices. Now open in L.A. Refer to the latest terms and conditions of service at TotalWireless.com.